Blaze On Demand. This is Ben Weingarten of The Blaze Books, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with someone who's achieved tremendous success both on the baseball field and in the dugout. On the field as a four-time Gold Glove winner and 13-year Major League veteran, and as a manager of the perennial World Series contending St. Louis Cardinals, perhaps the best franchise in the game today, and for me as a Mets fan, a constant reminder of my own team's futility. Mike recently wrote a book titled The Matheny Manifesto, A Young Manager's Old School Views on Success in Sports and Life. Mike, thanks so much for joining us today. My pleasure, Ben. Thank you. So, Mike, your tremendous rise to manager of the St. Louis Cardinals started with a letter that you wrote to the parents of a youth baseball team, uh, parents of which asked you to coach their kids. What was this manifesto that's the starting point of your book and your rise to being manager of the Cardinals? Well, I, I really don't know of the connection between the two. Then um, when I was uh, finished playing, uh, I obviously had a passion for the game and uh, wanted to continue to try and, and do some things I wasn't able to do as a player, and one of those was to coach my kids. And um, our fourth, uh, who at the time uh, was, was 10, uh, was uh, in, the, in the middle of a, a kind of a change of guard with um, his coaching and the team that he played on. And a group of parents asked if I'd be interested. And, and basically, I was flying back from, from New York City, and uh, I, was, I was approached uh, about coaching this team and uh, a, a group of uh, 10-year-olds. And I'd seen so many things done uh, well and so many things done so wrong and, and youth sports kind of seemed to take a shift and to the point when I'd go watch my kids I'd normally sit as far away from everybody as I could it was just it was amazing what was going on uh, the parents screaming at their kids more than anything else and then it, that turns into screaming at the coaches and the 14 year old umpire who had no idea what he was doing and it just uh, turned into an atmosphere that I just didn't remember as a kid and so I tried to go back into my own archives and, and just kind of figure out, okay, what, what did we do? Because this doesn't seem right. This doesn't seem like the kind of atmosphere that, that cultivates a love and passion for the game when you have parents crawling up the, the backstop screaming at Johnny to get his elbow up. And, and, uh, and in the meanwhile, this kid just wants to crawl under a rock and go home and play Xbox. And, you know, it, it, it struck a chord. And so I started typing out some things of what I remembered. And next thing you know, it turned into way longer than what I meant for it to. And it was a, a five-page letter um, that somebody else later uh, called the manifesto. That wasn't my own title. Um, but I just said, this is, this is what I think uh, I would be willing to do. If you guys are up for it, that's fine. If not, I'll continue to be the parent that sits way down the right field line. And, and I'll be taking my kid to ice cream, I promise. And uh, trying to uh, just you know, continue to build a passion for the game. And um, they, they agreed. And uh, what then what kind of became known uh, as that manifesto, somebody sent that letter out online and it just went viral. And at that point, I realized that uh, I struck a nerve with people. So let's start with the parents and then let's transition to the kids in terms of your overall philosophy. So you make a point in your book, and I'm quoting here, more long-term damage can be done to kids than to you if you're coaching for the wrong reasons. So what's your message to parents who are thinking about coaching their kids? Well, first of all, it's a, it's a very honorable task, and there are, are many people that are doing it right. Um, but I think it's just always good uh, to stop and to ask yourself, why am I about to do this? And I think we've all seen it. We've all heard the horror stories 
of these parents that are living vicariously through <clears throat> their own kids and, and trying to obtain uh, some things that they weren't able to uh, through their own through their kids um, athletic accomplishments and and I think it's just taking a step back and, and almost a daily step back to say okay is this all about the kids or, or is my agenda somewhere mixed in here is it do I have to win this trophy for for me or or is is my best and my intention about what these kids are learning here and and I'm I'm as you know as much of a competitor as the next guy. It, it's part of my job description. But I think at those younger ages, I think people start sacrificing things. Um, they all of a sudden uh, maybe put their own kid in situations to succeed um, that, that just aren't fair. They're not right. Uh, and then uh, they're also putting uh, some some kids in, in tough situations where well, maybe they're they're cutting the worst kids to bring on other kids and just so they can go build this super phenom team. When I think, you know, it all comes down to, you know, less than 1% of these kids are going to go on and put themselves through college and play professionally. So how about focusing on the 99%? And, and you know what? And this is probably the greatest message is uh, the, that, that group, that 99% really need the exact same thing that the 1% need too. And that's to be taught the real important life lessons about discipline, about hard work. Uh, and, and it's the responsibility and obligation of a coach and realizing that's usually a volunteer parent, but realizing the impact that they have uh, on those young lives and then to, to take advantage of that, to influence them as people, and then try to figure out if this thing in baseball will work out. And, and to that end, another quote from your book, you say, if I had learned anything from baseball, from all the coaching and the training and the practices and, and the development, it was that so much more went into making a child an adult than teaching athletic skills and how to win games. So the way I read that is building the skills and, and, and winning games, physical skills and winning games is sort of secondary to the foundation. It's a byproduct of the habits, the values, the principles and the ethics that you're trying to instill in young men as a coach. Is, is that the right read? Yeah, actually, Ben, you said it better than I did. Um, so I, I'm, I'm 100% uh, with you. And, and I, I think, and even going back through and talking to guys in our clubhouse, which a lot of the information that, that I put out there from players that either are playing currently or, or former players or current coaches, and, and I just wanted to make sure I was given a good representation of what's going on because it amazed me how many of them, after they read that letter, came back and said, it's exactly what, what I want to tell our parents. And, and a lot of them are using that to share with parents and coaches. And, and the reason is that they saw that, that, that the people that had the most impact on them as a player were the ones that were investing into them as people. And, and so it's a win either way. It really is when people get into the right position to realize let's impact kids Let's figure out a way to, to teach, them, teach them the game, yes. And there's so many people that can do that. You have this limited opportunity, and it's really a trust. You've been entrusted with some young lives that you get to impact. And as you go through, and, and even the, the data shows, some of the most influential people are, are teachers, uh, and obviously parents. Uh, at the top of the list would be parents, and then teachers and coaches. And, and there's a great, great chance that, that you're going to be you're going to be influencing them one way or the other. And so what are you doing with that trust that's been given to you? And that's kind of my challenge that I'm throwing out to a lot of these, these people. And, and most of them, you know, they go out with the right intentions and they see some of what's going on and feel like they just have to follow suit. That's the only way to, to go about this youth sports stuff is to be 
crazy and whacked out and and, uh, and when it all costs even at the eight nine seven year old ages um, you know that that's just it's just not true and you're finding out the people that got to the highest level were never subject to that how do you balance out because for a split second when I was reading the book you had me a little nervous that you were going soft as a coach and as a competitor but then you wrote quote if you want to teach a kid a, a life skill teach him reality give him a picture of what the world will throw his way unquote so what do you say about our sort of everyone gets a medal kind of culture versus that you want children, youth, to deal with adversity because that makes them a stronger person and a stronger athlete? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's nothing about what, what, I, what I believe that says that every kid should go get a trophy. I, I, that's, that's not it. That's not real. Uh, I am saying at the younger levels, and there's a distinct difference when you're talking about uh, kids in the development stages when they are just learning the game, and this is preteens, where and and even into that twelve year old age, right around there, the kids have either decided they really like this stuff or they don't. Up until that point, it's it's about going out and just trying to teach and have fun and figure out a way to get the kids to want to come back to the next game, let alone to the next season. But once they start developing those skills, and and even in through those ages, there's times to subject subject them maybe to a tournament and say, listen. We're going out to win this right here, and this is what we're going to try and do. And uh, because obviously at my level, it it is all about winning. Uh, there's there's no question. That's what I'm paid to do. My my really my thought is is directed towards the people in the, the early development ages, and then once they get a little bit older, and, you know these kids definitely need to understand that the team that's going to win is a team that's worked the hardest, prepared the most, sacrificed the most, and, and continue to improve. Those are the ones that are going to get the trophy. And, and in the meanwhile, you're going to get a participation ribbon. You're still going to have fun. If that's all you ever want from it, that's great. But you do need to understand that, that life is not going to keep handing you trophies when, when you're in last place in production. And so there's so many life lessons that these kids can carry over. And, and because I think baseball is a very good example, and this isn't just a baseball book. I think it covers all sports, covers all extracurricular activities. But baseball in particular, there's just so much failure. And I think that's part of the job of the coaches is, is to, to harness all that failure that comes and figure out a way to challenge and encourage and then equip these kids to, and give them a game plan of how to go get better, how to work as a team, how to be a little more selfless. And all those things work towards the greater good and the bigger goal in the end. One of the things that I sensed when I was reading your book is that the position that you played of catcher, which is sort of the field marshal on the baseball field, no matter how much grief pitchers give catchers, um, it really seemed to form your philosophy and influence your coaching style. So speak a little bit to that. I think it's a, it's a natural uh, transition. It's, it's a leadership position. I don't even think kids realize that, um, but the ones who tend to, to flock towards that position and certainly the ones that excel at it typically have uh, a, almost a different mentality. They have uh, almost the, the group in mind more so uh, than, than their individual statistics, and, and that's kind of been the way uh, we've taught the, the position for years. The way it was taught to me for certain was, this is, uh, this is not about you. Your first responsibility is to take care of your pitching staff. And then you start, start to figure out the responsibilities around the rest of the field, which I don't think it's a great coincidence that you see so many managers right now at the big league level that were former catchers. And mostly because they've been able to, to kind of translate uh, the needs for, for the team, uh, and they've been trained with thinking about more than just their own particular space. Um, so I, I think it's a huge uh, responsibility. It's, it's, a, it's a great position. Uh, there is uh, some inherent leadership that, that comes along with it, and it's a, it's a great way for, uh, for kids to learn the game. But 
Um, it, it's not a, necessarily a, a, a natural track. Um, there, there are some catchers that uh, it doesn't work for as naturally to, to move into the coaching realm. But for the most part, most catchers tend to have that, that idea, that sense of the bigger vision of the game and also the bigger sense of this is a, this is a team effort. And some of the principles that you talk about that you sought to instill in youth baseball players, which also sort of resonate well or mirror the things that you look for in a good catcher, you lay out in the book, leadership, confidence, teamwork, faith, class, character, toughness, humility. Those would be great things if they were taught in school alone, let alone on a baseball field. One of the interesting ones there is faith. And you write in your book that you want to instill biblical truth as our moral compass. Does that not only extend to youth players, but does that also apply at the major league level and in the minor leagues? And does that affect the scouting that your team does ever? Yeah, and and that is uh, really more of how I'm going to handle situations. I I really um, have been very clear uh, with the organization and with every team that I've ever been able to coach, whether it be at the youth level or at the big league level. And that is I'm never going to jam my faith down anybody's throat. I'm never going to... uh, absolutely you know confront you with with anything uh, regarding my faith but i did want them and i need them to know whether it was a former teammate of mine or whether it's, it's somebody that plays for me now is that when they come to me for advice and hopefully uh, i'm good enough at what i do that it goes beyond uh, just the x's and o's and making out a lineup that you know we have the opportunity to walk through life together and when they when they do approach me I need them to know where my moral compass is coming from, what direction it's pointing, and it, and it all centers around my faith. And once again, um, I feel uh, very proud that I've had quite a few teammates and, and guys who've been able to approach me and, and talk to me and ask me about uh, certain things, and, and, and they know where I come from, and I think it's important that they do know. But uh, I also have never felt comfortable of uh, really jumping up on, on a chair and, and, and start uh, evangelizing in situations where um, on teams that I've been a part of. But when people open the door, I also want them to know that I'm not going to be a coward about my faith. I, I, I know that it is the center focus of everything I do. Um, it, it helps dictate the way that I handle all, every situation um, when I'm going right for certain. And I want them to know where that's coming from. It's not something that I made up. These are biblical values, uh, things that have been around a lot longer than I have and something that I'm uh, trying hard to continue to follow with. Um, but, you know, I think it's, it's, it's pretty important for me on the, on the uh, level of youth sports to make sure the parents know that too, that if your kids do approach me, uh, I'm not going to shy away. And this is what I believe. And uh, just so there's no shock and, and just so they have the opportunity, because it's a volunteer situation where they have the opportunity to walk away if that doesn't line up with, with something they want to subject their kids to. And it's interesting because even though, of course, you've had famous scandals in baseball and you've had guys going back to Ty Cobb or or King Kelly, you also had historically someone like a Connie Mack who stood in the game for decades and upheld those kind of principles. So it's an interesting balance in baseball history between those types of personalities. No question. You know, I I just uh, finished one of uh, Connie, um, a book about Connie Mack and, you know, just it it talked about him being a, a ferocious gentleman. And, uh, you know, I thought what a, what a great comment for any, any man of faith, you know, to be able to, um, go about his work in a way where he's, um, thought of so, so highly, but that he knows when it, when it comes down to it, this man's going to, he's going to go out and he's going to compete with everything he has. And there's a, there's a call that we have to be a warrior in everything that we do and the way we uh, go about our business, defending, 
um, the people that have been entrusted to us and, and, and to, to live a life of excellence. And that there's a ferociousness that comes with that that I'm certainly not ashamed of. Um, but there's also that balance of, of uh, faith and humility. You hear a lot of people talk about the cardinal way. So what is the cardinal way and how do you ensure excellence at all levels in your organization? Because I think that it probably applies in business and in life, whatever the cardinal way is, even though no one's really been able to define it. Yeah, you know, and that got blown out um, a little more proportionate than, than what we wanted to. And I really believe in what uh, the cardinal way should be um, is something in, and, and it's something for people who uh, work within this organization. It's almost as if you draw a mission statement together. And, and as a corporation, you see those values, those core values on the wall of what you stand for and the way that things should be, uh, things the way things should be run. And, and our organization has done a great job of that. Um, it's done a great job of, of figuring out um, how, how to make sure that we are bringing a quality product to our fan base. And, and it goes all the way from our ownership group uh, through our upper management, all the way down through our players and, and into our ushers, parking attendants, and, and popcorn vendors, that uh, you know, being a part of the St. Louis Cardinals is something that's an honor. Um, and there's a way that we should go about our business. And, and you mentioned the, the word that I love to use the most, which is excellence. And there's there's no backing off on excellence. It's, it's in whatever we put our hand to do that we're doing it in a way that represents our organization, represents ourselves in a way that uh, continues to bring people back. And uh, that's the that's the environment that we're in, and that's something that we try and teach the guys in our in our organization. As soon as they're drafted, we aren't ashamed of this idea about having a, a way, about a mission uh, that's bigger than just one person trying to stack up as many stats as he can and, and get all the accolades and the big contracts. It's about uh, something that that we watched uh, Stan Musial do, and Lou Brock, and Bob Gibson, and and Whitey Herzog, and Ozzy. Uh, Ozzy Smith and, and all of our great Red Shandies, all of our great Hall of Famers, uh, who've gone about not just playing with excellence, but also carry themselves in a way that this organization was very proud of. Mike, you've been very generous with your time. I'd just ask one more question. Uh, you write about some of the great players that you've had the opportunity to play with or against or coach. What, in your view, is it that separates all time great players like? when they finish their careers, they'll be remembered as Albert Pujols or Yadier Molina. From other guys who you've seen who are maybe equally or close to as physically talented, but either never pan out in the major leagues or never even make it out of the minor leagues. Yeah, there's there's a lot of components that go into that. And um, I think we've all tried to break it down because the talent gap is so small uh, when you're talking about some of these guys. Now you have some of the rares and, and you brought them up. You know, there are just some, some outliers like an Albert Pujols who did things for 10 years in the league that nobody had ever done before. And, and Yadi Molina <clears throat> continues to do those sort of things. Um, but in general, you, you know, you watch these guys come up. Neither of them were that first-round pick. And the, the, a lot of it has to do with the way they've developed. And, and the way that I like to look at it, look at it is, is you know, there's the guys that are perpetual learners. They're always trying to grow. Um, that's a great foundation. You obviously have to have some genetics and, and skill set that that's the very foundation. Um, but after that, it's a discipline. What are some of these guys willing to do that no one else is willing to do? And then it moves on to guys that are just so focused and, and laser focused on, on what they have and, and the goals that they put in front of themselves. And, 
and then uh, figuring out a way to, to stay motivated and, and uh, really stay with the system because our, our program, and especially through the minor leagues, it's kind of a weeding program. And the guys that can't either handle it mentally or physically or can't handle the distractions tend to find themselves out on the outside edges uh, looking back and wondering what would have happened. But uh, the ones that make the most of it are the ones with a great deal of talent, yes, um, but they just decided to uh, to maximize it. And it's that word excellence that keeps coming back again and again that I believe um, many of those uh, players that you just mentioned, that's what, uh, that, that's what drives them. The name of the book is The Matheny Manifesto, A Young Manager's Old School Views on Success in Sports and Life. And we've just been speaking with the author of that book, Mike Matheny. Mike, good luck this season, and thanks so much for joining us. It's a pleasure. Thank you very much. For more on this and other books, you can visit The Blaze Books at www.theblaze.com books. And follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theblazebooks and Twitter at theblazebooks. You can follow me on Twitter at bhweingarten.